Praise God. Well, good afternoon, Kensington Temple. It's good to be with you again. Amen. And um, I want to thank Pastor Colin once again today for giving me the opportunity to come and minister to you. And I also want to welcome those who are watching on the internet. Thank you for joining us today. And those who are in the coronet, those who are downstairs in the lower hall, and those who are in the consolidation room behind me. And um, I do pray that God will bless you through the word that you're going to hear today. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege that we have to gather together again upon this Mount Zion to worship you and to sing about your amazing grace. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for your blessings upon our nation, upon our lives, upon our homes, upon our children, upon our work. We thank you for the gift of life that we are alive today to sing praises to you. And Lord, we're asking that your kingdom will come in this place, that your will will be done. And Father, I'm asking especially today that your light will shine in this place. Lord, I pray that at the end of this service that we will be blessed and that our life will be a blessing to others. And I pray with faith and with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, I bring a message to you today that I have titled, Let There Be Light. Can you please turn to someone next to you and say to them, Let There Be Light. Amen. Amen. Let There Be Light. Uh, But before I preach, I want to say to... um, All the um, supporters of Liverpool, you you have my sympathy. (laughs) And all the supporters of Chelsea, including Bruce Atkinson, congratulations. But for both of you who are, for all of you who are Chelsea supporters and Liverpool supporters, you all need to repent and come to Arsenal. (laughs) All right, okay, all right, okay, all right, let's move on swiftly. And also congratulations to Boris Johnson for winning the mayoral election. Um, and um, I'm not a member of any political party. I'm not a member of the Tories. I'm not, um, I'm not conservative. I'm not liberal. I'm not liberal Democrat. You know, I have my sympathies for the Christian party. Um, they're struggling a little bit. You know, um, I did vote for them for the ward elections uh, because there was no credible alternative. <laughs> but I, I, in my opinion, I don't think we need a Christian political, but thank God for Alan Craig and what he's doing. Uh, thank God for all of them. But I think Christians ought to come together as a pressure group. You know, we need to, to come together as a pressure group, uh, you know, crossing political boundary lines when issues that matter to us come to the forefront. Um, issues like marriage, redefining marriage. Christians in the Lib Dem say, sorry, I'm not following the whip. Uh, Christians in the Tory party says, no, I'm joining with the, with the Christians in the Labour Party. And the ones in the Labour Party says, well, I'm joining with the Christian independents. And we'll come together to put pressure on government to say, no, this is a line that you cannot cross. You know, and um, that's what I think we should do. I, I agree with Pastor Colin completely and totally that Christians ought to be in all the political parties. That we may shine the light of Christ and we bring the influence of Christianity into all the political parties. That as Christians in Lib Dem, we pray, we pray for Nick Clegg, who is an atheist, to get born again. And part of being in the Lib Dem is not just to say, oh, I like their policies. No, no, no. It's about who is, who is leading. You know, he claims that his wife is a, is a Christian. Thank God, you know, thank God for his wife. But he needs to become a Christian. Amen. 
So if you are a leave them person, then, you know, that's, your, that's why God has placed you in that party, you know, to be there, to bring the light of God in there. You know, but um, uh, if, you, if you didn't vote for Boris, well, he's won now, so you are forgiven. <laughs> but you still need to repent. Amen. And you know why I'm saying that? Why I'm saying that is that we don't, we don't believe that politicians should tell us uh, what, what religion we should belong to. We, we are not electing them to teach us the principles or the teachings of Jesus Christ. We, we didn't elect them into office to teach us what Muhammad said. We, we didn't you know, elect them to teach us what the, the Hindu uh, scripture says. We elected them to manage our money, to bring amenities to us, to serve us politically, not to tell us what, kind, what, we should, what, what, what you know, uh, Ken said, I'll be teaching you you know, the, the, the teachings of Mohammed for the next four years, if you elect me, I would, this is what I'm going to be doing. You know, and I think he lost the Christian vote there. Um, and probably he's learned his lessons, and maybe politicians from all, all the political parties have learned their lessons. Amen. Amen. Now that I've finished my, um, my dispatch box, <laughs> my dispatch box message, maybe we can, we can go to the scriptures. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you still with me? All right. The reason why I started that way is because what I want to say has got to do with the darkness that is trying to engulf our nation. Darkness is trying to push back light. And when I read the Bible, it ought not to be so. And that's why I titled this message, Let There Be Light. And so please, if you've got your Bibles, please go with me to Genesis chapter 1. And I want to read from verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1. And uh, as Christians, we have to observe the things that are going on around us, not just because we want to complain, not just because we want to criticize, not just because we want to throw up our arms uh, in desperation, thinking that we don't know what to do, we, have, we don't have ideas of what to do, but we need to observe and see things happening around us First to pray, and then to act. Um, when the government is trying to redefine marriage, it is time for us to act. I was involved in a discussion recently uh, where uh, some Christians were saying, well, what does it really matter if we redefine message, uh, marriage? It does matter because Jesus spoke about it. It does matter because... It ought not to be so. And there's a way that God has created the heavens and the earth. There are principles that is put in place. And um, uh, it is part of the homosexual agenda. And please let me say to you, like I said in the, in the 9 o'clock service, I have friends who are homosexuals. They are my friends. You know, I'm sorry if that offends you, but they are, they are human beings and they are my friends. And some of them are good people. Good people. And we agree to disagree. We disagree sometimes to agree. We discuss, why do you think this is wrong? Why do you think this? And we, we are still friends. And they, some of them are not, in the, they are not in the habit of saying, no, you can't talk to me, you can't criticize me about that. In fact, if I may, if I may please permit me for, for a minute because, uh, to, to say this. If there's anything like, you know, the real, genuine homosexuals, 
people who really are into it and believe it, that that's the way they are, when you talk to them, they, 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 are, not, they are not people who, who go on and on and on and on about their sexuality. Because their lives, individually, is bigger than their sexuality. It's like you as a straight person going on and going on and writing, I'm a, I'm a straight person. I'm a straight person. People will look at you and say, go get a life. <laughs> and so when you come across people like that, you know, it's, you may disagree with them, but on the other side, you look at their lives and you know that their lives is, you know, they're bigger than, they don't even want to talk about it. They don't want legislation. Some of them don't even want le legislations for their sake. They don't want. We, we, we play a game here today, you know, let's play a game. When I, if I say Obama, the, the first thing that comes to your mind is President of America, isn't it? If I say, you know, Colin Dye, something comes to your mind, you think Kensington Temple. If I say Elton John, you think music. You don't think gay man. Because his life is bigger than his sexuality. It would be a tragedy if Elton John dies tomorrow and all people can remember about him is, is that he was gay. In my opinion, I think it would be a tragedy. Because he's a brilliant musician. I don't agree with his lifestyle, but I kind of like some of his music. So you see, we can agree to disagree. And we, I don't believe that the government has a right to shut us down from engaging in discussions. I don't think the government has a right to redefine what marriage is. Especially to impose upon us what kind of marriage we can do in church and what kind of marriage we, can, we are not allowed to do. And to bring that into legislation. And that's why I'm so grateful to God that once in the life of the church in this country... There was massive petition signing against this legislation. And please, for those of you who are members of the Tory party, you better want David Cameron. He'll be making the mistake of his career if he pushes that through. Because God is not finished with this nation. As long as there are some of us who still believe in the Bible and who are ready to pray and act, God has not given the great, the, this great nation to the dogs. And that's why I'm speaking politically this time, because it's time for us to go back to the basics of the Bible and say to ourselves, we no longer want to be thermometers measuring the temperature, the spiritual temperature of the nation and saying, oh, it's hot now, oh, no, it's slow now. No, it's time for us as children of God who understand who we are from the word of God to become thermometers so that we begin to set the temperature, the spiritual temperature of the nation. So that we begin to say to darkness, you cannot take over because we understand what the Bible says about light and darkness. And we must become people who really hold this book in high esteem. And if we do, when we read and study and believe what it says, then there's only one thing to do to act upon what it says. We must move on from just being Christians who the only thing we want to act upon are the promises of God that says to us, my God shall bless me. I am rich. I'm the head and not the, the tail. I am this. You know, things that bring material things. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But our lives, as the children of God, we are bigger than that. There's a bigger, bigger agenda at stake. And it's amazing how the enemy is gradually chipping away at what we believe. Taking one territory after the other. Taking one territory after the other. And we as Christians, who are supposed to stand up and say, no, darkness, you go, because light has come. We cannot say, all right, it's okay. Oh, why not? For example, if you voted for Ken, and you didn't cross the party line this last election, now the election is over, so I'm not campaigning. So I can't be sued for campaigning for Boris. If you didn't cross that party line because this man came out and said, I am going to teach you how to understand Muhammad's teaching, and you still voted for him, today is the day of salvation for you. <laughs> you have to repent and be converted. Amen. I am saying that there comes a time when we take a look at what is happening around us and we say, all right, now enough is enough. Now it's time to rise up and be who God has called us to be. Can I hear you say amen? amen? So in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. There is chaos in the spiritual realm over this city. Darkness is advancing. Because when we take a look at all these things that I'm mentioning, <laughs> in the 9 o'clock service I also mentioned about how our 13-year-olds now can go over the counter and buy contraceptives. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those high-flying, intelligent, Einstein IQ people who are able to sit in the House of Parliament and in discussion programs on, uh, on television and argue for why they should be. But I'm a father. I've got three girls. And I don't understand how somebody, an adult male or female, would be able to stand in front of people and say, give contraceptives to 13-year-olds. I can't comprehend it. And then we come back and say, well, you know, Britain has the highest rate of pregnancy in Europe. Of course, of course. We put contraceptives in their hands. We teach them sex education in school almost to the extreme. We do things. We, 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 we show them things. Now, <laughs> money and 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 and. and Getting rich by all means. And all this stuff. I was listening to another program. Because it's all about money now. And some groups are rising up. Charities are rising up. and saying, look, it is possible. The internet is a fantastic thing. It's good for our children. They learn a lot of things. They do a lot of things on the internet. But are the, the, the providers of this service should put filters. You know, right from when you are manufacturing, you are, you are putting out your website, you put filters there that says, you really have to go in and change the filter for pornographic stuff to come through your laptop. And that, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Not just from my spiritual Christian background, 
But as a father, who does not want his children to be exposed to such things at a very tender, young age? But the providers who get all the money from the advertisement, from the pornographic people are saying, no, that's censorship. That is nanny state. And I'm, I'm looking at this woman, I was looking at this woman on TV, arguing about this, and I'm thinking, do you have children? Let's take the issue of money out and the benefits that you want to, t- you know, you're going to get financially from this. Let's take it out. Would you really, really allow your child to sit down, your 13-year-old boy or your 13-year-old girl to sit in your house and watch pornography? And that's what I see as darkness trying to encroach on the land. But thank God you're here. Thank God I am here. Thank God that the church of Jesus Christ is still alive in Britain. And thank God that as long as we are here, there is light. As long as we are here, the darkness cannot prevail. Because that's what the book says. Hallelujah. And so we see in the beginning, at the beginning of creation, there was chaos. There was darkness. The Spirit of God was moving. And the first thing the Almighty God said was, let there be light. And I am no longer complaining. I'm no longer taking the spiritual temperature of the city. I have stepped up into the place of becoming light. And so that anywhere I go, by the grace of God, by the authority of the word of God, it doesn't matter how thick the darkness is, darkness must go. Because this book says, I am light. It doesn't matter if I'm persecuted. It doesn't matter even if I'm sent to jail. Thank God that I don't live in a country where my head can be chopped off. Yes, there might, there might be legislation that would... But as soon as I come out of jail, my, I'll hold up this book again and say, this is what it says. And we have to come to that place, come to a decision as children of God and say, what do we do when darkness is trying to take over? Our job is not just to say, let there be light, but also to be light. Hallelujah. In verse 16 of Genesis 1, please go there with me. The Bible says that then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made stars also. This book tells me that when God created light, he created light to rule. He created light to rule. Whether it's the lesser night, the moon at night and the stars... They are meant to rule the darkness. Whether it's the sun during the daytime, the sun is created to rule in the daytime. So whether it's in the night or in the daytime, the light of God is meant to rule. It doesn't matter what the dark, where the darkness is coming from, as long as there's light, light is meant to rule. Because God created light at the beginning to rule. And that gives me a lot of comfort. And a lot of hope. Because if you go with me to John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, we begin to catch on to this, uh, to the power of light. And we begin 
to see for ourselves that God knows what he's doing when he created light. Because in the Gospel of John chapter 1 from verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him, in the Word, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5 says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Or the darkness did not overcome it. So God created light in the beginning. God said, let there be light. And then he said, let the light rule the day, and let the light rule the night. And here in John 1, we saw that that, that light is the word of God, and that's Jesus. And we know the word became flesh and dwelt among men. But here in verse 5, the Bible says that, and the light shines in the darkness. It doesn't matter how thick the darkness is. When the light comes, it shines in the darkness. Why? Because in the beginning, God created light to rule over darkness. And when this light, that is the word of God, came, Jesus came, he was ruling over the darkness. Everywhere he goes, darkness submitted. Hallelujah. And then he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. Probably most of us in this building this, this, this afternoon, we have the life of Christ in us. Because we are born again. Christ dwells in us richly. His life is in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But John says here that that life is the light of man. That life in you is the light of men. The life of Christ in you is the light of men. And so if in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and in him was life and the light and the life was the light of men, that means Jesus Christ is the light of men as we're going to establish in scripture. And if that life dwells in you, then you also are light. You are light. But because the darkness is trying to overtake the light, and because we are seeing such strength being demonstrated from darkness, we are beginning to think that maybe our light is too small or too weak to overcome the darkness. And that's the word of encouragement I've brought to you today, Kensington Temple. And those watching on the internet and Christians all around the world downloading this message. That the light in you, if it's the light of Christ, no darkness can comprehend it. Darkness cannot overcome it. The challenge that we face is the lack of faith in believing what the word of God says so that we can step up to the line. And say, now, darkness, this is the line in the sand. You can't cross here. There are some things that we need to pray that God will open our eyes to see. Reminds me of the story of Eli Elisha with his servant. Servant woke up one morning and saw the armies of Syria surrounding them. And say, oh, my master, we are dead. And his master came out and said, what's the problem? Oh, can't you see the army of the enemy surrounding us? 
And the prophet said to him, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And the, 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 you know, the, the servant was thinking, what exactly did you eat last night? <laughs> Have you been drinking this morning? It's too early in the morning to drink. And the prophet said, Lord, please open my servant's eye to see. And the Bible simply says, and God opens his eyes. And all around the mountains around were chariots of fire. Warring angels that God has established to protect my Bible tells me that if you are here of salvation, if you are a born-again child of God, that the angels of God are ministering spirits to you Amen. to protect you. Ministering spirits. It doesn't matter what kind of darkness we are confronting. We can ask God to send his angels. We can ask Jesus to send legions of his angels. When he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and one of his servants took the, 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 the sword and cut off the ear of, of one of the, of the servants of the high priest, Jesus Christ said, put away your sword. Don't you think, don't you know I can pray to my father and he will send legions of angels? He will send legions of angels. But let it, let it be so now because this is the hour of the power of darkness. The hour of the power of darkness. And Jesus was not bothered about that hour of the power of darkness because he knew a glorious dawn, the light would dawn on the third day when he rises up from the grave. That the power of darkness would no longer be able to put his children in prison. No wonder he said, in Matthew chapter 5, please go with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, because this is very important. I've been meditating on this for, for quite a while now. I'm challenged. I am challenged. Because I know that the hour of the devil has not come when he's to rule over the world. And as long as that hour has not come, you and I, as children of the Most High God, we are the authority here. We are the authority here. Because our Lord and Master said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. All authority. As far as I know, and I've read my Bible several times, the Bible says all authority. Which means there's no authority that the devil has. If all in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, Satan has no authority. Yeah. Oh, but then, why is he advancing his kingdom? Because we, as the children of God, we back down for him. And when we back down for him, we give him the authority that Jesus Christ has given us. We hand our authority to him on a platter of gold. Jesus has not called anybody to serve him without courage, without boldness. <laughs> I think it was earlier this year in our primary 12 meeting with Pastor Colin that he said to us, we think Christianity is about being nice. 
And please understand, he wasn't saying that we shouldn't be nice to people. He's just saying that we shouldn't be nice to the devil. When we see the handiwork of the devil, when we see the devil trying to advance, that's not the time to be nice. That's the time to become like Jesus and look at Peter in the face and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus could have taken Peter aside and said, Peter, you know, I've been with you now for almost three and a half years. You've gone through the school of leaders. You've done the living free. <laughs> you are even ready to lead a cell now. In fact, you know, I saw a lot of deliverance in you during the encounter. But you see, let me be, let me be nice to you, you know. And no, 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 no. He had a mission. He came to die. He was born to die. He was the king that was born to die and to live again. His mission would not have been accomplished unless he went to the cross. And here was one of his cell members, disciples, saying, you shouldn't go to the cross. And he, needed, he knew that there was this different spirit speaking through him. And so he addressed that spirit. I don't believe he was calling Peter a demon or a, the devil. He was addressing the spirit that was speaking through him. Because later on, we, we knew, you know, he said to Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has requested for you to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. You know, if you if you if you um, if you follow Pastor Colling on Facebook, the last one the last post I read from him was the one that he was talking again about the storm, and I had to jump in and participate at a, at, a, at a particular point because people were missing the issue. The storm that is coming, I don't believe is coming against the church. Collectively, I think it's coming against individual Christians. Because what he said in that, in that write-up, in his preaching about the storm, is that a lot of Christians will make shipwreck of their faith. And if you cannot stand this storm now, you cannot withstand the storm now. How can you withstand the fiery trial that is coming after that? Which means, everyone, individually, including this preacher today, I've got to go sit down and look at the word of God again and say, what exactly did Jesus Christ say? And the hope in the word that I bring to you today is that Jesus says, you are light. Amen. You are light. And that's where we are in Matthew 5, verse 13. Hallelujah. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Another translation says, if the salt has lost its flavor, it is no longer fit for purpose. But to be thrown out into the street and trampled upon. 
We see Christianity being trampled upon today. <laughs> I'm asking myself, as a Christian, have I lost my flavor? Have I lost my flavor? Oh, yes. <laughs> it is time to examine, evaluate, and test ourselves as individuals if we're still in the faith. Test, examine, evaluate yourself. That's what the Amplified Bible, Amplified Bible says about that scripture. We say, test yourself and, and see whether you're still in the faith. Has the world crept so much into your life that there's no longer any difference? Because that's what the world is doing, encroaching, encroaching, encroaching. Let's take one territory at, an, at a time. Let's take another territory at a time. We will take, we will take so much territory from them, all around them, that when they wake up one morning, they think, they, they look, they open their eyes, they're on an island, and there's nothing surrounding them. And then at that point, we have no other choice as Christians to bow the knee to who? I thought the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every name must bow. At his name, not at the name of the devil. Why? Why? Why does it seem as if everybody is bowing to the name of the devil? And I've come to a conclusion in my mind that there's nothing wrong with this book. <laughs> As a Christian, I know. I have faith in this book. I know nothing is wrong with this book. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is the one that changes things and never changes himself. He's the only one absolute in this world. And the enemy knows. They know what they are doing by preaching and campaigning and saying there's nothing like moral absolutes. The enemy has a strategy. And that's why we must come back to the Bible again and say, what is God's strategy for repelling the darkness? Please go with me to verse 14. Chapter 5, verse 14. Here, Jesus Christ is addressing those who are following him. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. First, he says, you are salt. We are meant to stop corruption. I'm told that salt, when you apply to meat in those days, will stop the meat from decaying. Stops the corruption. So as salt, we are meant to stop the corruption in the society. Salt also seasons. That's what the flavor is for. We are meant to season our society, season our homes, season everything. But we are losing our flavor and we are losing everything, the power in the soul. That's so, you know, people say, that, you know, it's 50-50 now. You know, the rate of divorce in the church is 50 compared to that of the world. Which means there's no difference between Christian marriage and worldly marriage. The enemy is trying to take over. Darkness is trying to repel. And Jesus is saying to us here, but you are light, you are salt. And he gives us a clue here and say, and he's saying to us, the enemy is trying to get us to hide our light under the basket. 
And I'm asking myself every day, am I hiding the light of God in me under the basket? Am I afraid to be put on display by Jesus Christ? Because when a city is set on a hill, it's there for display. You can see it, you cannot be hidden. And if we, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are a city that is set upon a hill, then that means that if we are hidden now, that means that we've gone to buy, to buy some kind of blind and cover ourselves up. I said, let's just, let's just hide in this Kensington Temple building. Let's not go out there to preach. You know, let's, let's, you know, let's just... And the enemy is saying, no, your light is too bright. Your light is too bright. Go under the basket. We can allow you to operate under the basket, but if you come out from under the basket, you know, we cannot allow that. But Jesus Christ said, no. When you light a candle or a lamp, you put it on display to give light to the whole house. That's our DNA. And it's time for us to say no to darkness because the light is here. And that's the word I bring to you today that as Christians we've got to know who we are. Yes, it's a fantastic promise that says I am the head and not the tail. I will not borrow but I will lend. But this is also a fantastic promise that says I am the light. Because Jesus said so. I think it was two years ago that the Holy Spirit was correcting my understanding of this scripture. Because when I read the scripture, what goes in my mind, goes through my mind is that, oh, I'm going to be light one day. Maybe when Jesus Christ comes back, I'm going to be light. No, no, no. He doesn't need your light when he comes back. He needs your light now. In the darkness that is here now, he needs the light that he's put in you. His life is in you. And that light is the, that life is the light of man. And there's a reason why he placed that life in you to give light to all men. And we have a wonderful promise that the darkness cannot overcome the light. Darkness cannot overcome the light. Another scripture says that men love darkness more than light because their deeds are evil. And I was Saying to them at the nine o'clock service that I remember when I was a younger man, in the days when we were growing up, in the days of the soul train. Those baggy trousers from the Jackson 5. And those fluffy Afro hairs. The soul train with Don Cornelius. And in, the, in my country, Nigeria, disco parties took over. In the secondary school, when we go on holidays, it's disco party. You know, when we go, you know, everybody want, you want to do a disco party, a disco party, a disco party. And sometimes, if you're going for this disco party in a, in a posh area of Lagos, you go shopping, you buy good shoes, you buy good shirts, you, you dress very well to go to that party. It's a disco party. And you get to the disco party, the DJ is playing music, and, and doing, but you are sitting down crossing your leg, maybe having a drink or eating something. Why are you not dancing? It's a disco party. In disco parties, we boogie down. <laughs> but why is it that people are not booging down yet? Because the light is on.
But as soon as, the, as soon as the man that is organizing the party sees that people are not dying, he goes to the switch. Turns off the light. And immediately the light goes on. Everybody jumps up. Because why you are, why you are, why, why you are, you know, why the light was on? You are looking at, you know, the ladies around. Which one do I dance with? Which one do I? Do? As soon as the light goes off, you rush to the lady. So like, before everybody, can you please dance with me? We go shopping for clothes to wear to the party. We don't even want people to switch because we want to dance in the darkness. There is a nature in man that loves darkness. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God that the master said that darkness cannot overcome the light. And Paul says, yes, we are persecuted. We are pressed down. All these things are attacking us. But we are more than conquerors. The light in us cannot be overtaken by darkness. The light of God in you cannot be overtaken by darkness. And if we want to see darkness pushed back, then it's time to announce to the devil, we are coming out from under the basket. We are coming out. I want to remind you of a time when Tony Blair was in office. And there was this crucial vote in the House of Parliament that would have uh, prevented me from coming here to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel the way it's meant to be preached. That if I say some certain thing, somebody may, may sit down there and say, I'm offended and call the police and I'll be taken here and seven years in jail. But when Christians decided to pray and act as light, God wanted to display his power. He allowed that vote to be defeated by one vote. The anchor person for Tony Blair in the parliament said, Mr. Prime Minister, don't worry. Darkness has taken over. We've won this vote. Just go home. And if Tony Blair were to, be, to have been there that day, we would not have won that vote. But God is telling us, his children, I am still on my throne. And when you, my children, come, and ask the light to come, I will manifest in you. If you've been here enough, you have heard Pastor Collins say, God is not going to do it for you. God is not going to do it with you. God is going to enable you to do it. It is time we come to that understanding that God will enable us to be light that is displayed on the table. To give light to the whole house. The question is, are we ready for people to come around and try to snuff it out? Are we ready, even if it's snuffed out, to light, to, to strike that match again and put it on? 
Are we ready to say we are persecuted on all sides? We are pressed down, we are shaken, but we are not going to give up. Because that's what the enemy wants. That was why Jesus Christ said to Peter, Satan has desired you. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And I'm praying for you today, everybody under the sound of my voice, that when the time comes for you to stand up for Jesus and be light, your faith will not fail. As I read the story of Peter, the Bible says one thing. When Jesus was arrested and was being led away, Peter did one thing. The Bible says that he followed from afar off. It is not time to follow Jesus from afar off. It is time to follow him closely like a disciple. It is time to stand up and be counted as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is not time for us to be Christian in, in the closet. It is not time because if we're going to repel this darkness, then we've got to stand up for what we believe. Please say with me, let there be light. Say with me, I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. Because Jesus said so. That is our authority. Let's bow down our heads to pray. Father, I want to thank you. For the entrance of your word brings light. We thank you because you have delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the son of your love. We thank you because we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, your special people, that we may proclaim the praises of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We thank you because this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But we thank you because the life of God is in us and that life of Christ is light. We thank you because you've called us a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. We thank you because you've pronounced over us that as light we are to rule the day and to rule the night. And so Father we are asking in the name of Jesus Christ by the authority and power that is in that name that is above all names. That as we go from here today in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our businesses. That we will step up to the line and be light that is displayed for everyone to see. That no more will the enemy ask us to hide the light of Christ in us under the basket. We refuse it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. You may be here today, you have not given your life to Christ. That's all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. You have not come... To know that life. That life is not in you. You have not at any time given your life to Jesus Christ. Ask him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. And if that life is not in you, the Bible says that great is your darkness. And you want to step out of that place where you are hiding in darkness. Where the light of God is here today to bring salvation to you. And I want to ask you. If you have not at any point in time consciously given your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead all of us in a prayer in a short while. And that prayer is going to be especially for you if you pray that prayer from your heart. Because Jesus, the light of the world, will come into your heart. And your light will begin to shine to all men. 
And so please, I want everybody to pray with me and say after me, Lord Jesus Christ. Please, let's say it like we mean it. Lord Jesus Christ. I come to you today. And I acknowledge that you are the light of the world. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. And I have gone on my own way. But today, I come to you. And I ask that you forgive me all my sins. I am asking you to wash me with your blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my soul. Clean me up, oh God, with your precious blood. I confess with my mouth because I believe with my heart that you are Lord. So come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you because I'm born again now. I receive you with my heart. Amen. All, all eyes closed, please, all heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer from your heart and you meant it, I want you to know that salvation has come to you. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into your life. All I'm asking you to do is to please lift up your hand and then bring it down. There are people standing around to acknowledge that to come and stand with you. And so please, if that's you, you've just prayed that prayer with your heart to give your life to Jesus. Please lift that hand up now. There's, there's somebody there. There's somebody there. Thank you, my sister. In the balcony, anybody, please? I need to see your hand. If you've lifted it up and I haven't acknowledged it, please just lift it up again and bring it down. You are asking Jesus, the light of the world, to come into your heart. That's my sister there up in the balcony to my right. Thank you very much. Downstairs in the lower hall, in the consolidation room in Coronet, or even if you are there on the internet watching, God wants to see that hand. And if you're watching me on the internet, then please find a, a Bible-believing church that you want to go to and tell the pastor, I've just given my life to Christ. Is there any other person, before we close this meeting, you want to acknowledge Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Now I want us to pray. Father, let your light go with us into this week. In this month of May, may we march forward with the light of Christ. Father, for the rest of this year, for the rest of our lives, we rededicate our lives to becoming the light of Christ that shines and shines in the darkness of this world that the darkness cannot overtake, the darkness cannot comprehend in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for your people as they go today. Lord, let doors of opportunity open unto them. Business, open unto them. Victory, open unto them. Put them on display, O oh God, for the glory of your name, for the expansion of your kingdom, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. As you go into this week, let testimonies follow you. Let the goodness of God follow you, overtake you, and overwhelm you. Let his blessings encompass you. Let there be breakthroughs in everything that you lay your hands on, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I say it is well with you. It is well with your soul. It is well with your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And may the God of creation cause the light in you to defeat darkness at every point. In the name of Jesus Christ.
and the people of God say, Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you,